various things. Today's interview is part one of a two-part interview with my friend Kieran Wagner. I've known Kieran for about 10 years now, and over that time I've come to know him as a very creative and talented individual. Today we're going to talk about some of his views on the fields he's been involved with, as well as what he's hoping to do in his future. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did. things that's really interested me about um, you is the diverse background that you've had. I know, I'm meeting you when I first met you, you were a recording engineer, and um, a very good one. So at some level you had achieved, or, or probably at any level, you had achieved like professional status. Right. Um, yeah, and, Right, and shortly around that time, you started taking pictures. Is that right? Yeah, um, it's, you know, when we moved back here, uh, <clears throat> and, like, when we met, I guess, when, when I took over that studio, um, I started taking pictures actually after that, because, you know, I had that little point-and-shoot that you probably remember I had at the studio and took pictures for the site. You know, the little, um, I think it was a little Olympus... Um, six megapixels, something like that. Like it was, you know, it was good for the time. Um, and I know we use it around the studio uh, for just you know to capture stuff. But really, I think what it was because I actually have put thought into this in retrospect. I think it was like when I totally stopped when I shut the studio down, and there was like there was a good year or probably closer to two where. I kind of lost all creative outlet. I was I was no longer in bands. I closed the studio, and I was like house husband guy for a couple of years. And um, and it's what the reason I've put thought into this is because I wonder if there's like some threshold we all have for like creative output, you know. And um, I just I bought a Holga, and and it's like 2006 summer of 2006. I remember that so. I think I shut down the studio at the end of 2004, so it's, you know, a year and a half of, like, not playing, not recording, not producing, and not taking pictures or anything, and, uh, yeah, so it kind of came about after that. Uh, I had been interested in photography years ago, like, when I was, like, I think when I was, like, 19 or 20, I got a, I bought a Minolta, it's like an X9 or something, some little film, SLR, and... Tried to get into it, but it never really got below the surface, and the thing just, you know, went in a closet. And so somehow it was, it was a continuation of, like, some desire to learn about photography or, or explore it, but I hadn't. And I don't know why that became, you know, why I chose it or anything. It just kind of happened. But Well, it's interesting you, you chose the Holga. <clears throat> because yeah. you didn't go to the equivalent of the kind of McDonaldized <laughs> audio equipment. Right. You know, like I think the equivalent of a Pro Tools rig would be your typical $2,000 DSLR. Right. Like that's, 
you use it. Sure. It's reliable. It you works with 5D and uh, Photoshop. Yeah. yeah. And there you go. And I think it's interesting that you, like that, I think that's like a romanticized, like there's a romanticism mm-hmm. in it, you know? And for good reason, because it's film. You know, like yeah. a digital recording is like two seconds ago is what it seems like, like a few seconds ago. And like an analog recording sounds like your childhood or something. Right. And with a, with a camera, the, the film, it, 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 it's fuzzy a little bit. It's blurry a little bit. Mm-hmm. I was trying to explain uh, to someone the other day about sharpness of things and how film is actually just a series of sharper blurs. Right. You know? Um, so it's interesting that you chose that. Uh, and then you went from that to a digital, right? I did. I, because, oh man, I was like, well, first of all, I think the whole, without you know consciously thinking this, but I think the reason I would have gone that direction is the same thing that you and I probably had millions of conversations about back then and, and since, is the, um, the, like, in the, in record making parlance, you know, I always was gravitated to uh, the, you know realness, if for lack of a better term, and things with character and like the you know it's okay if the amp is a little noisy, but um, or um, you know just imperfections in art are fucking great, man. I mean, what what's better than if, if something makes you feel uh, whatever it's trying to make you feel? Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't even know where I'm going with that. But it just seems that that you film is sort of I liken it to analog, you know, like soft compression. The things that you missed once you started doing Pro Tools and everything's digital, and you started realizing like, shit, this doesn't feel like the records I grew up listening to, or, or even you or me, you know. So anyway, I think that that that's what draws me to it. But then you're right. I did go, so I bought the whole gun. I had a lot of fun with that for a while. And, and still, I mean, I still use it now sometimes for, for stuff. But, um, I think it, uh, I was getting so many losers, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. how many rolls of film can I buy to get, you know, a decent shot? So I got the digital camera. I bought a Canon, like a digital rebel or whatever at the time. I really kind of learned about exposure on that because you get immediate feedback and that's the beauty that is the good side of digital and um, in in any discipline whether it's photography or recording or whatever is you know what you got right now you know and um, you don't have to rewind the tape and listen you don't have to send stuff to a lab and so for about a year I just shot that thing like crazy but I would <laughs> I would use it like as a meter sometimes I would go shoot a couple shots on that to see where's my optimal exposure at this, you know, speed or whatever. And then I would shoot it, you know, on a film camera too. Um, but really I shot many, many pictures on that digital rebel thing to, uh, and, and kind of taught myself exposure. I didn't, you know, read a lot of books or anything. I just kind of did it. You know, I'm wondering if, like as an audio engineer, you end up having to like really, go outside of the boundaries of sanity to learn mix translation. 
you know? What do you mean? Like, like to like you have to learn these speakers, and mm-hmm. you have to learn how you're making oh, sound. Oh, sure. Like, you know what I'm so saying? So you don't go out to the car, right. and like, oh, where's my bass? You know, right. And I wonder if someone coming from an audio background is actually kind of more set up mm-hmm. for learning photography well, because yeah. they are used to cross-checking. Like that, like like you're saying, like using the meter for the whole gun, like that might right. not occur to people, you right. know. Um, but you're like looking at it from an audio engineer's point of view of like, well, I need a frame of reference, and this thing will actually right. give it to me. Not like I have to go sit in two different cars and take it home and then listen to it somewhere else. Like that's the frame of reference right. for the audio. This thing is just like you told and it wait up. for it the lab and you. all that, yeah. right? Because I've seen a lot of. Like, I, like, a lot of the guys I used to talk with that were engineers, they're now in other creative fields. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of them gotten into, like, like digital media, like, web stuff, like right. websites. Designers and stuff. Like myself, or um, gotten into uh, video. Mm-hmm. Some have gotten into photography. But there's this weird interconnection between them. I mean, if you think about it, as a recording engineer, you're basically doing the same thing as a photographer. With sound, right? Yeah. You know, there are a lot of parallels. Like, right? you're capturing stuff again. Like, you're recording stuff again, and you're doing it in a very professional manner. Like, when you when you set up to take a shot, like, you're going through a, some something of a scientific process of, like, figuring stuff out and right. knowing it. Even when you're not doing that anymore, like, you're... It's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're just like, oh, sure. But one thing that I, I really always enjoyed talking with you about at the studio was the idea of craftsmen. You know, the idea and I, of uh, as a person that goes beyond um, just getting it done. Yeah. 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 And there's a real extreme focus on quality there. And I've noticed that in your shots. Like, I don't know anything about the process behind your, your photography. All right. But it's one of these things where when I look through your photos, there's this exceptional, like, nothing could have been better Wow, like, thanks, man. Look yeah. to it. I, as I go along, now I'm getting closer and closer where I get less and less pictures that I want to discard. I just, man, I wish it wasn't right. I brought these shots in that I just picked up today because it's like, it's 11 rolls of film and I'm looking through the contact sheets and I'm not seeing any that I want to throw away or that like, uh, I don't want to show, oh, if I show somebody these, I don't want them to see this page or whatever. <laughs> I mean, and that really made me feel good because it's like um you know a lot of people i think they shoot and it's like oh if i keep half of these i'm doing okay if i keep a third you know or, or two-thirds of these I'm, that's a good ratio and uh, i'm not saying every picture i shoot is great but it's it just tells me that the amount of thought i'm putting into uh into composition even though i'm not really putting thought into it, but whatever it is that makes me arrive at like okay now is the moment to click the frame and here's where i want to stand is working, you know, because cause I'm digging it. I get back more stuff and, and impressed with the number of keepers. Part of that also, I think, is is the film thing because I just don't fire anymore. I just don't go pow, pow, pow like you do with the digital camera. And, um, and I even did a gig a few weeks ago where they were like, can you just shoot digital? We want stuff quick. They want it cheap and quick, and, you know, film definitely adds cost. So... So I did it with the 7D, and um, I found myself, you know, looking at a shot, taking it, and walking away, even though the inclination always 
for digital shooters, or it definitely was for me when I first started, was you just hold down the button, man. And you, got, you got, and then, but then you got to go home and you got, you know, you needed a, sh- you wanted a shot of the guy doing whatever he's doing, and you go home and you got like twenty eight of them, and now you got to sift through them and decide which one's the best one, and all the fucking minutia, man. It's just well, that's like a naughty mm-hmm. world. You knew the badasses as far as engineers when they would actually be throwing everything to tape, like they right. would compress it. To tape. So yeah. when they brought it back, it was basically finished. Like when they put yeah, the tape back. It's an enjoyable <laughs> feeling, man. When you're, I can't imagine uh, having a workflow like the stuff I'm talking about today. I'll take that home and um, I see a couple that'll need a little dodging here, burning there, whatever, and, and just a tiny, a couple things where it's like, oh, I can brighten up this guy's face or, or that part of the room is a little dark or whatever. But. Um, it's great, man, to get it back and know that it's it's done. You know, I got to scan it, but I don't I don't have to fuck with it when I scan it. You know, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine now doing uh, the really the contemporary way that most people do right now is they shoot and then they develop it in Photoshop. Well, they know? shoot it raw and then yeah, and then they got they'll decide the light yeah. balance the white balance later and stuff and. Oh, that would drive me you into know, a wall. Yeah, it's too. just too open. It's like, it's not done yet, and it's never done. That's, you know, as a web designer, I've had this problem of, like, I'll just sit there and, like, redo sites. Like, something will just annoy me. Right. And I'll do it, and I'll just keep doing it because it's like it's never done, you know? <laughs> Half the reason I published some of my essays in a zine mm-hmm. just to get it into a phys- was just to get it into something I couldn't change anymore. It was just like, this is it. You right. Know? Um, that's oh, because yeah, it's it's it's, it's on paper. Printed, it's done. Yeah, for some reason, I can respect printed things. I'll mm-hmm. just be like, "That's it. That's what it is." See, it's standing here in in, in the real right. world. I can respect that. But when you when you can keep going back and like redoing it, I remember I shot it. You never make a decision. No, and I remember doing that with raw stuff, and like a couple times I shot raw, and it was just like the worst thing ever. And then you have to like remember like you got to save it like that. Yeah, and it's really hard to save it like that because mentally you're like, like after you've made your changes, you're like, well, what if, what if I want to go back and fix it again? All right. I kind of like being forced to make the decision on the spot. I know what I was going to say is when back when I was in New York and I was making records and I worked on this this girl Maya. She had a couple of hits back then, and um, I remember going to the session and. The producer came in and they had, like, we're working off a slave reel. So we had the track on, like, you know, two two tracks were the track. And then everything else was open uh, for vocals. They had another slave reel with all already filled up with vocals from whatever their last session was. And another slave reel half filled with vocals. And, um, and I was just like, and I realized, it was like this epiphany at that moment when I realized these motherfuckers will not make a decision because they don't have to. Were these 24 track? These are 24 tracks. I had two inch, yeah. So they I had, had two, two, four tape two, two inch tape machines locked up. No, there, yeah. but there was another reel sitting there and I looked at the track sheet and was like, I've got two tapes up. One of them I made, I'm ready to fill up. And then I, there's another one that's got full of vocals. And then there's another one sitting on the table that's full of vocals. And I was just like, this is a sickness, man. I mean, and that's, that is, you know, I know you've seen the most ridiculous scenarios, too, where people are in Pro Tools and it's like, you know, really, you've got nine bass takes. Is the guy playing it or not? I mean, just fucking do it. And that's why I like records like 
um, like some the record he turned me on to, it still was one of my favorites, Daniel Lanois Shine. Oh. It's like, you know that song, As Tears Roll By? And at the end he goes, he plays that big clam, man, that big, ugly clam. And I love that. That should be there. And I love guys that recognize that. And I've seen you do it, and you see him do it. See people that, like, are like, it felt right, you know. You know. Well, that's, that's, I think, I think, like, it takes a certain aim, or, or confidence in your aim. Mm-hmm. To do that, mm-hmm. but I know with photography or or any art, like it's easier. Like the hardest thing for me making those kinds of decisions is when I'm working for someone else. Mm-hmm. When I'm working for me, I don't care. You know, like I I know what I want, and so I want this little thing. And if I catch a glimmer of this little thing happening, then I will accept everything else that is wrong with it right. to get that glimmer. You know, so if I have a guitar track that I'm working on or something, and it's like. Like weird, there's a weird mm-hmm. sound coming in or something, but it has this overall feeling. I'll take that. Right. And same thing with the photograph. Like if it catches my eye the right way, but it's like crooked even. Like I don't care. You yeah, know? but I like, think that's unique. I think a lot of people have more trouble editing themselves than something. You know, like um, I'll second guess myself less and less now, but definitely over the years in, in any discipline. You know, I'll always second guess myself when it comes to deciding if something's good enough or did it, it, okay, I feel like it's where I want it to be, but is it going to really compel the viewer, you know, yeah. the listener or whatever that way and, and sometimes have doubts about it. Or but I think it, it's pretty rare. A guy like Daniel Lanois, a guy like that, that's his own record. I mean, he could have been all insecure and go, oh, man, I can't leave that clam on the end of that song. we got to do that take again or i got to chop that off or whatever. But, you know, a guy like that that produces good records, I would think, you know, learned it the hard way. But I know what you mean, but I, I think um, sometimes it, it it would be easier to have a third person, you know. To, well, but it happens to me you trust. Yeah. Nowadays, like, I don't even care about right. any, like, anything <laughs> outside of me. Like, I've just realized that, like, <laughs> I mean, I love that. that sounds no, horrible, I but, I mean, I just, like, as... I think from like 30 to now, I'm 33, over the past three years, I've just cared less about how anyone interprets anything mm-hmm. I do. Like, I'll make a record, I'll send it to my friends, and if I never hear back, I'm just like, that's right. fine. You know, I love it when they write me back and tell me something about it. But, um, like, I've, I've gotten really confident. Like, I've had to do stuff in this microcosm. I've, I've just stopped really caring. Like, the ultimate thing I'm looking at is, like, does that make my eye happy? And if it does, then I go with it and it's weird because I've noticed there's a lasting thing to it that when I look back it still does it it never right. goes away I've been wrong and a couple times right. yeah. yeah I've been wrong a couple times and like gone back and like my eye doesn't like it anymore but right. it's seriously like a couple times out of a lot of stuff I've done um, but that might mean it's complete shit to everyone else I could yeah. have an eye problem like, but it's cool <laughs> not here. yeah but so like that's the thing like to me they're great because I look at it and I'm like, that's, that's, that's doing something I really like. I look for something that I don't know what it is. Like, that's why I asked you that question is because I have no clue. Right. I have no clue what it makes a good photo. All I know is my eye gets happy when I see it and it could be the exact same photograph taken like the exact second later or half right. a second later and something isn't about it on that one. And I don't, like, I can't look at it and be like, oh, it's brighter or, oh, it's, it'll be, I've noticed it's moved a little bit. 
I couldn't tell you which way. I couldn't tell you what's wrong with it. It just doesn't do it. But I think part of it's age, too. Maybe. I think definitely as I get older, I, I find myself less and less well, it, giving it, a shit what somebody thinks about what I think or say. They say your expectations go down as you get older, so the happiest people are like... <laughs> but I don't think that's it. I think it's a cop-out. Yeah, I don't think that's I, you know, I, I, yeah. Like that, I don't think... No, man. I think, I th- I think it's guy, like, more confidence in yourself. Like that's. Well, I think, and knowing you... <clears throat> and this is, I think, some way that we're similar to. I think um, even though we like imperfections and stuff in art, we're still perfectionists. That, that, that isn't, but that isn't a um, a contradiction because it's like I want it to be perfectly fucked up in the way that I want it to be. You know. Yeah. And um, and so I think uh, I don't buy the uh, the lowered expectations as you get older bit. This and other interviews are available at our website at variousthings.org. This interview was recorded on July 24th, 2012. specific that like you you went to with it or um i've always been um like interested in that i've always you know enjoyed food and you know um i like cooking and like eating like going to you know cool restaurants and you know where there's good chefs and stuff and um but the food things become more focused because uh of meeting uh the chef this guy john mayer He's pretty new to town because he came back from, he's been living all over the world working in Michelin kitchens and stuff. And he came back here a few months ago and and uh, some mutual friend on Twitter said something about, oh yeah, John needs a, uh, going to need a photographer for something, you know, because he was doing his pop-up thing. And, and we met and he liked my work and we vibed, he's a great guy. And so I did that and um, so I kind of met all these chef people now and and. It just kind of, you know, more and more has come about that. But I'd still like to do other things. I mean, I still always have projects in my mind that I'd like to do that I never, I really should get off the ground. Like the craftsman thing. that mm-hmm. You and I talked about that at length before, before today. And I got ideas for, like, what kind of people I'd like to shoot, how I'd like to do it. And um, I guess really I just need to get off my ass and, you know, call, call somebody. I probably would start with, 
a couple, one or a couple of these chefs, and just mm-hmm. let's, that'll be one of the crafts. But also other things like, like my friend Tom, who does, um, he does these, those acid etchings, oh, yeah, 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 that yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, I mean, that's so cool, man. He's got old pieces of steel, or I guess it's steel. I don't really know what it is, and he uses acid to make images on them. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Really cool. I um, think you should do that. And, his, awesome. and also, he's got the barbecue place now that him, right. him and, and Eric, um, and you know all these guys from the studio, right. so we've been in bands together. Uh, I'd love to just go down there and, and see Eric do his thing and just kind of shoot it. But also get a, a straight, straight-ahead portrait. You know, nothing fancy, just a nice portrait of, of a dude or a girl, whatever their thing is, and then them doing that thing. And um, and make like a book out of it or something. I mean, because it's so easy to do these days. Make a blurb book or, or whatever. I mean, even if you do that, like you should do a website. Yeah, and and I I don't know exactly how it would deliver it, but that I need to just get a get. A, it would probably take years, you know, to do it right. And, and over the course of let's say two years, you you do twenty or thirty of them different. I think that'd be cool because you know what you're really capturing there, and I think the appeal of it is, is that. They're human beings doing human things, and human things are done on human habits, and we all have habits. So, like, you're going to have an appeal there of, like, watching someone work at something that is going to resonate with all different types of people. They know? have to be badass, and they yeah. have to be the at craftsman level. Like, well, I don't want to just see some... And you seem to be in a good position that you can find enough of that. Right. You know, like, I think you should do it. And you know what got me thinking about this, too? I think I think in some way you got me thinking of this, because we might have had a conversation about it, but I don't know where the spark, where the start was, but I think one of them was the guy, I don't know if, if I ever shared this with you, but there was a video on, on Vimeo, like, maybe a year, or probably more like two years ago that I saw, of a guy in Brooklyn who makes knives. And he's a... He's a, a movie about it's like a short you know it's probably yeah. 10 minutes or something of this guy and the movie's really well done too it's awesome um but his whole deal was he's a writer uh, like he's a highly ed- i think he went to you know master's degree and all that shit and he got out of college all all educated up and writing and and wasn't getting work and um i think sort of had this realization that th- this isn't gonna be what I thought of it. You know, nothing yeah. is, man. It, it, and when you were a kid and thought, or whenever you decide I want to make records, once you got to the point where you were doing it, it wasn't what you no. wanted it to <laughs> Not be. at all. And when I was in all those, all those fucking stalwart studios in New York, you know, Hit Factory and Right Track and Chunk, and you're in these great rooms that you grew up listening to records on, I wasn't doing what those records did. I had, a, you know, music coming out of a machine and a rapper, you know, cocking his gun at the bridge every time. Or whatever. And it's like, you know what I mean? It's like, I'm not, you know what I mean? You're in this great room and it's like, nobody's asking me to record a horn section or a drum set and actually use this craft that I've honed. Yeah. They just want me to shut up and like hit play on the fucking MIDI gear, you know? So the knife guy, right, he, just got, sick of he it. got frustrated and he just started like, he just started making knives, and uh, and I guess he was in touch with people who were like, "Oh, this is serious. You have to keep doing this." And he just like <laughs> he built a business that's awesome. making knives, and he, so it's like really high end, one off knives, you know. And um, and he he just think like, 
Hinkles or somebody like that has just like got robots and machines and shit cranking out. And this guy, it shows you in the movie just, you know, honing knives and making them. And it's like, like how a dude accidentally it was like up here. I mean, it yeah. was amazing. And uh, look at a dude like that and think like, I don't care if he can only if if you're a chef and you order knives from this guy and you got to wait eight months till they get made. Um, just the level of care that goes into that is 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 that's worth so much, man. That five percent that the guy that can you know detail a car, you know, there's guys all over that do it or whatever. But that guy that does it so fucking well. It's like, that's priceless, man. Yeah, and that's, I think that... that Those are the guys that I want to do, you know, where it's like... I think that's just passion. Yeah, you know, it is. Like, it, it is passion, and it works with your character so easily. It's that, like the last 5% of working. a mix. Remember we yeah, yeah, a mix, and you, and, and the client, everybody's like, cool, man. It's like, no, not yet, <laughs> you know, because it may take... Six hours to get to that point where it's 95% done, and a lot of people would say it's done, but it might take another four or five hours to do that last 5%, or that, just that little thing, man, that, and that's the fucking magic, man, that's, that's why I would rather see that Pentax, I get 10 shots out of a roll of film, but I'd rather have those 10 shots than the 200 I can get, you know, in, in something some other way. See, what I've learned is shooting... I, I tried this when I started getting to school. Shoot for 80%. Because I used to shoot for, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, I'll shoot for 80%. Well, I can get to 80% pretty easy. <laughs> right. But how do you quantify that? I mean... I don't know. Well, when I was studying, like, theoretically, actually only study 80% of the material. Right. Like, I would just make sure I knew 80% of the material. Because then if I, you know, I'm getting a B. Right. Like, <laughs> I like that. Right? That's okay, cool. so that's what I do. Because if I sit down and say, I have to know everything, you psych yourself out. So I was like, I'm going to learn 80% of the material. I'll get a B. Then everything that I just happen to know on top of it, I get an A. What I found with doing the shooting for 80%, it's like if I realize I'm 80% of there, I'm not factoring in all the other crap that's going on in my head. So with a, photo- with a photograph, it's like i got to make it sure that it's 80% good. But then I look from there for the awesome thing. You know, so like... Then you can get 100%, but you're not, like, sitting there, like, worrying about it. And I think everyone probably kind of does this. It's like a certain quality to it. Yeah, it's just a relaxation and confidence with yourself that, you know what, I'm going to take an awesome photo today. If I go outside with my camera and I spend a little bit of time, I'm going to take a photo that I'm going to be happy with. Right. And getting comfortable in that, you know? Probably the biggest thing I've ever grappled with in my professional life is that, is ending... You know, ending my career as an engineer, everything, that was everything I ever did. I mean, it's like from fucking 15, I started, you know, started playing drums when I was 14. From like 16, from maybe 17, I knew it was like, I want to produce records. I don't want to make jingles for the radio. I don't want to do sound design for TV shows. None of that shit. I want to make records, period. Music. And um, and I was lucky enough that I did all the way till maybe thirty seven ish or something, and um, uh, just sort of coming to terms with the this is the, the biggest beef I have with digital technology and and where technology has gone and the accessibility to it is that I miss there being a process. When I was at Criteria cutting my teeth and then you're in those rooms, it's fucking surrounded by 
legendary, rarefied air, man. I mean, you're in there, and it's like, James Brown, I feel good, that's Clapton and Bee Gees and Seven, and all the fucking huge records that have gone through there, and it is, there's, uh, it, that deserves reverence, you know? And so you're there, and you got tape machines, you got tens of thousands of dollars caught, you know, tape machines, you got hundreds of thousands of dollars consoles and stuff, and these things, not just any dickhead can walk in there and do it. You got to, you know, I went to school and you learn everything from from people who are doing it. And you, you're an apprentice, basically. And you learn how to do stuff. And then it's, it's fucking sucks to get to a point where it's like, okay, I'm now a pro at this. I've really been working on this for years. And all of a sudden, every asshole in the world can buy a sound card and a microphone and make a, quote, Record, a record. Well, what's you know, and I can't stand that. But it's that's the reality, man. We're stuck in it. I mean, the reality, I think, is that you're absolutely right. But it's not. You see it with these chefs too. Yeah, they're like real trained, fucking professional people, man. They they know flavors. They know exactly what they're doing. And, like, then, you know, they looked at, like, reviews on Yelp or something. The place was noisy. Fuck you, man. <laughs> that guy, you know, made an amazing dish. And you're going to you're gonna ask him what's in it, so you're going to go home and make it? You know. Yeah, the critic. Well, but I think the thing that... The thing is, though, you can sit down and make a better record than the folks that are just picking up this stuff. The thing that sucks is that the people who are making records don't give a shit enough yeah. usually to ask for the guy who can make an amazing fucking or pony up the money right to fucking I'll, I'll never forget this I, I tell this story all the time that, that, because this is the moment when I realized I was losing the fight I'll never forget some dude came when, when I had wide open sound and and some dude came and was talking about making a record. He wanted to come take a tour, and I showed him around the place, and I played him stuff I'd done, and it played you know big hit records in here. It's like Chili Peppers and and Big Pun and you know whatever. He hears this stuff and he's like, "Wow, man, everything sounds so great, great, thanks, man, great." And so he leaves, and I'm thinking, "Cool, you know, maybe maybe he'll book some time, maybe he won't." You know, he calls me like two weeks later. Um, hey, man, yeah, remember me? You know, I'm at my friend's house, and we're cutting drums. I just want to know, how did you get that sound on, say, you made some reference or something? And it's just like, you motherfucker. I felt like, that's like me calling my dentist and going, you know, I got a drill, and I got some sort of putty-type shit, and just walk me through this. How do I fill this cavity? You know? And I'll do it. It's cool. I just want, just I, give me the guy. What you got to say is, well, it started when I, first off, you have to be 15 years old. <laughs> right. You gotta want to play drums. Fast forward a few years, you're gonna take an intern, you're gonna take an internship at a studio, work your ass up, get a lot of coffee, right. have shit on by the staff. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they'll let you near the console. You gotta deal with that, and you know, like, and that's how I got the fucking drum sound. Yeah, you know? and it's funny. You can't buy that at fucking Guitar Center. You it's know, like, everywhere though, it's every discipline because the you know the chefs again. This there's a chef at Julep's guy. Uh, uh, Randall, who is, uh, I just saw an interview with him in Richmond, uh, Richmond.com or whatever it's called, Five Questions with a Foodie or something. And, uh, he was talking about the 
current crop of like like what food TV and all this sort of rock star bullshit has done, so that guys you know learn a little technique and they they never want to fucking wash a dish or something and like they just think they can bypass the building process of building a fucking craft, man. I mean, you can't just and the sad thing straight to the top. And the sad know? thing is they can, but not the real top. They, right. can, they can go to the top of the entertainment top. Right. You know? Well, yeah. Like, you'll be like, you know, like Dr. fucking Phil. Like, you don't think, like, psychiatrists are sitting around being right. like, motherfucker. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> if you give that advice, that person would go and kill themselves. You know? Yeah. Like, I mean... But he got the ratings. You know, and that, that get really gets back to what we kind of started off talking about, which is those hard limitations. Like, the hard limitations of a Holga, or the hard limitations of... of um, like, process. Like, you know, I think that's one of the greatest things about taking an internship or learning, um, like, really learning equipment is you learn the limitations. Like, right. you know them, you know? And so... Quirks and stuff. Yeah, so you can make pretty product if you want to, or you can make awesome product because you know exactly how to break them. Right. You know, like, you know how to break them without, like, breaking them horribly. You know right. what I mean? Um could skew them a little bit. Yeah. And that's, you know, because I'd rather see something, like, broken beautifully than something that, like, like, the worst is when someone tries to make something beautiful and has no idea what they're doing. That is the <laughs> worst. Because it's like, it's, it's like, uh, like, I know with audio, it'll be like this recording where it's kind of bland. Like, everything is just bland. Like, everything's clean, everything's perfectly boring. Yeah, and small. And right, and it's just like, wow, it's, you know, it, it sounds like, 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 even the weather music on the, what, sounds better. I have my favorite songs on the Radar channel, you know. <laughs> really, there's always this one, you know, they've got the different themes, and like, uh -huh. you get to know them, but, but I know what you mean, man, because at the end of the day, the shit... Anything, whether it's a record or a photo or a book or a painting or whatever, these things are supposed to emote, you know, and they're supposed to make you feel something, even if it's pissed off or happy or sad or whatever. And um, so if every component is uh, sort of thought about and planned, it, it seems to not do that maybe as much. There's got to be a. There's got to be room for error. There's got to be room for life to happen. Yeah, you know? it's like, and that's what I like about like your. When I asked you like, what font is that? And you're like, that's my handwriting. It's like <laughs> that's why I fucking like that because it's, it's, it's you know, it's real. Yeah, and so that you know, I, I think that's awesome. It's so funny too, and I felt like such a heel. It's like. Of course. I thought it was funny. I mean, it made me feel good because I was like, damn, I, you know, it looks like a font. Yeah, I mean, like, that, and that's such a fucked up thing to think in your head. Like, I'm so glad my handwriting looks like a font. Right. You know, like, it, it's like when people, and uh, people, they could become a whole thing, you know, just like guys in Hong Kong. Well, you got that, you got that Gary, you got that Gary font. You know, it, it's weird. Like they, they, uh, you, you'll see these interviews with people. It's like some sociological thing that people are kind of paying attention to of when surreal shit happens to people, they're like, right. talking about real life, and they're like, it was like a movie, man. 
Like someone just got shot next to them. They're like, it was like a fucking movie. Like you're you're using your basis of reality as the fake thing. Right. Like it's not like man, it was like real life. It was right. like I was poor and no. They're like, like it was like a movie. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like that's, I think there's something to like, the fact that we live in like a graphic society and so we value replicable or and. Some people say that we're in a monoculture. Like, there's a book called Monoculture. It says we're in a monoculture of economy right now. Okay? Mm-hmm. So everything's based around economy. Um, and so if that's the case, then it makes sense why we would value, like, the font. We'd look for that as, like, the thing or the movie. Because they're much more, like, boxable. Right. You know, not necessarily in terms of selling, but in, like, producing and counting on. Like, mm-hmm. there's an economy to them. Good reference. Yeah, like, life is sticky and all over the place and you know but um well, I think it's a good place to stop cool so thanks a lot for doing that and I'll be that this conversation and other conversations are available at variousthings.org this interview was recorded on July 24th 2012noticed with Kieran over the years is we both have respect for craftsmen and to and today's talk talks a lot about our respect for craftsmen welcome to various things today's conversation is part two of a two-part of a two-part conversation with my friend Kieran Wagner Kieran is a photographer and audio engineers.